This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We see that area is filled with some of their guests. We'll get to uh, some of the descriptions of why they're there. First, we want to bring in our panel. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's February 8th, 2023. It is the day after the State of the Union, and the State of the Union is confused at best. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe if you have not. And if you want to join us for the post-game wrap-up show, as many of you have been doing, we got a nice little community purring over there. Join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Yes, today we will be focusing on that, uh, how long was the speech? About about an hour and a half last night. I do have to be uh, totally honest with you, obviously, as a communicator of information. Uh, the first 20 minutes of the thing, I have uh, uh, some friends from out of town here. We were uh, smoking some meat, eating some potatoes and vegetables, sitting outside. We did have the TV on in the background. A lot of it I had to do just by reading Joe Biden's lips. And with the, uh, with the tightness of the face, after all the facelifts and the injections and all the weird things they do with him, I'm not totally sure that my lip reading was exactly right. But we did go in this morning to make sure that I got it all right. We're gonna play plenty of clips. We're gonna play some of the reaction. And just the whole thing felt so bizarre to me that so many people, and I saw a a really strong sense of this on Twitter, uh, that people can watch the exact same thing and have a completely different takeaway. I do not sit here every day telling you that I am right about absolutely everything. And we all have our blind spots and everything else. But I was watching people on Twitter last night, some of whom I respect, some of whom I like, some of whom I've broken bread with, watching that thing, thinking and saying the complete polar opposite of what my thoughts and reactions were. And that's rather amazing. Actually, one of the people uh, who was super impressed with Joe Biden last night, and I assure you I was not, we'll get to that momentarily, Uh, One of the people who was, was my friend and many, many time guest on this show, Peter Bogosian. Pete Bogosian, who's a, uh, he wrote a a book called A Manual for Creating Atheists. He's been a lefty most of his life. I'd say he's he's shifted a little bit maybe towards uh, my position, something like that over time. Uh, But we are, we are, he is certainly still a lefty in most senses of it. Uh, We are good buddies and I happen to be, by total coincidence, Uh, I am interviewing him today, later today, at the local studio here in Miami, which is just absolutely perfect because it is getting increasingly more difficult to sit down with people that you disagree with. And I was watching him tweet this thing and he's talking about Joe Biden being competent and this is a great speech and all this stuff. And I'm I'm literally tweeting out the complete reverse. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to sit down and do it tomorrow. And guess what? We'll still break bread after. We'll still be friends after. And it'll all be good. So... 
Uh, I think that that's just an interesting way to set the frame for this thing because this thing where we're all watching the same movie, basically, and all this is is a movie. We're in the show must go on version of democracy at this point. We're watching the show and we're having wildly different feelings about it. And uh, as I often talk about that bifurcation of America, we're all going in our different directions. Uh, how long can that last when we're all, you know, seeing the same thing, but having very, very, very different feelings about what basically is true and real. So that is what we are going to talk about today. Uh, before I get to it, let me talk to you guys about Birch Gold real quick, which you might want to invest in gold after realizing that that guy has something to do uh, with the economy. Uh, despite the U.S. blowing through $31.4 trillion, trillion dollar debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out of the sand. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king. It's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Visit birchgold.com Dave to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this, to dig into our, to dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000. Are you guys interested in doing that sort of thing? Anyone, in the, nobody in this room wants to do that. And it's only getting worse, guys. Protect yourself today by, by visiting birchgold.com Dave. They've got an A-plus uh, rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave today. And now back to me. Okay, so let's get right into the state of the union. And you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. And these people, the reason we did that cold open where we spliced uh, Jill walking in with the cantina scene on Tatooine in the original Star Wars is because the more they show these people in HD and we're watching them on big screens and everything, they all look kind of broken. Everyone's face is like a little like this, they're pulled like this, and their eyes are like this, and this bite them, this, and everybody. And it's just, it's like, it just feels like a freaking freak show. Anyway, uh, before we get to Joe Biden, I wanted to show you one video because uh, we played a video of her yesterday, back-to-back -back days with her. We thought we got rid of this woman. Jen Psaki, the former White House press secretary, a woman who could not tell you a single word of truth if her life depended on it. As I often said, if you asked her what her favorite number was, she would say orange. Uh, if this woman uh, then, of course, she left the White House, right? And what, it, what happens when you leave the White House and you've been fairly horrible at your job, you get a job in corporate press. She now is an analyst, a news analyst for MSNBC. Do you think she's analyzing the news properly when we know what all of her opinions are clearly, but she's an analyst for the news? Uh, anyway, yesterday on MSNBC, she gave a little preview of uh, what Joe Biden was going to do. And I thought this would be an interesting way to set up the whole show today biggest speech of the year any president gives. But what he needs to do is tell a story. Joe Biden is an amazing storyteller. I mean, you sit in the Oval Office, Crane can tell you, and he can storytell for six hours. Joe Biden is an amazing storyteller. He can tell a story for six hours. You may remember the story of Corn Pop and the kids rubbing the hair on his legs, and that's how he learned about roaches, and he loves kids sitting on his lap, and he can do that for six hours? Shoot me in the head. Anyway, here's that great storyteller telling a story last night. Most of us in here 
have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Bo, Hunter, Ashley, my children, I never had to have the talk with them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulls you over, turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry like that every single time your kid got in a car. Ah, the story, the completely fictitious story. First off, uh, I am white as far as I know, unless, uh, do you guys know something that uh, I don't know? I am white. Uh, My dad, I remember when I got my license, my dad sat me down and said, actually he sat me down once and then he said it once when he was taking me out to drive in in the school parking lot. He said, if you ever get pulled over, you keep your hands on the steering wheel and gave me a, li- a few other little bites of advice. We, we grew up in a pretty decent place, wasn't much crime, wasn't much problem with policing, uh, but he felt that was an important thing to say. This endless racialization of everything, black and brown kids, a lot of, when you mean brown kids, do, do you mean like Cubans who are brown? Is this happening to them? Do you mean uh, American Indians? who are brownish? Do you mean just very tan Italian people from Sicily who could look a little brown? This obsessive focus on race. And you guys know all the numbers and we've done a million shows on this, whether it was with Larry Elder or Thomas Sowell, plenty of other people, uh, that the police are not out to get unarmed black people. And if you don't fight the police when you are arrested, it is very, very, very rare that anything is going to happen to you, but you do have to follow the laws. And if you get pulled over, you keep your hands on the steering wheel, et cetera, et cetera. Also that he never had to have that talk with Hunter Biden. I'm guessing he never had the talk about smoking crack with Hunter Biden either because he became a crackhead. Uh, so it's not like you're doing such a great job there either, Joe. Uh, but the storytelling continued. Here he got very emotional because you know when you're telling a story, you have to, you can't just be monotonous. You have to inject emotion into the stories. Here he is having a completely dysregulated emotion regarding China. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know why he's yelling. I checked with a lot of people. I was looking at seeing people's responses. Why was he yelling? Who would want to change uh, with Jinping? Uh, Jinping? I don't know. I don't know. Why is he yelling about it? but he's dysregulated. So there are these moments where in the notes, it obviously tells him to be emotional, be stronger, whatever it is, and he can't quite regulate properly. Uh, he also did not have a good sort of handle on the audience. This, this was very interesting. This was one of the more interesting moments of the evening. He claimed that Republicans wanted to get rid of social security, but watch as he says it, he's kind of telling you that he knows it's not true. He has a little bit of a tell, and then a bunch of Republicans in the audience started yelling. What those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. 
You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks, the idea is that we're not going to be. We're, we're so he goes out of his way at first to imply that it's the Republicans that want to do this. Then it's some Republicans. Then respectfully, it's uh, somebody, but I don't want to name them anything else. There you had, I mean, you saw Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's thought of as sort of like on the really right, right, the far right side of the Republican Party, the Trump wing of the Republican Party. And sh there she is screaming, you're a liar. That's not what we want to do. Kevin McCarthy is shaking his head. No, I don't know any mainstream Republican that is looking into cutting social security. Do they talk about how entitlements are costing us too much money? Do they talk about rampant government spending? Yes. Uh, he also, of course, links this to if we could just take more money from rich people. And by the way, rich people, people making, well, certainly over a million dollars, but even people making over $100,000 pay virtually all the taxes. The bottom 50% pay virtually nothing. And it's never an income issue for the government. It's a spending issue, right? It's that they spend like drunken sailors. Uh, it's like they, they spend like crack addicts trying to get more Parmesan cheese out of the carpet as opposed to saying, oh, maybe let's spend a little less so we have to just take less from other people. But in the Democrat mind, in the Biden mind, we just need more money from those people producing stuff who often, the people producing stuff and making money, they often spend money and hire people and then those people build businesses and that's kind of how the whole thing really is designed to work. But if we could just centralize more of their money and do what we want with it, it would be good. So anyway, it was nice to see, you know, I keep saying that Republicans are getting balls, right? They're showing some teeth. There's a little bit of a backbone, like a ramrod, as some elderly man likes to say. Uh, it is good that they were pushing back on that. Uh, and they push back not only on uh, that related to Social Security and, and cutting spending, uh, but Biden and the border as it relates to fentanyl. Doug, we're with you. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. Big, you got it. So let's launch a major surge to stop fentanyl production. In the okay, first off, when I talk about Biden being dysregulated, here's a guy that yelling about China and it doesn't even make sense why he's yelling. And then he goes into these moments and I think this has something to do, my guess would be, I don't know for a fact, but it has something to do with the medications and it, and it sort of like goes in time or whatever drip they gave him or anything else. So there he's kind of very slow and everything else, but that, that's a sidebar. The point of this is that they're yelling at him completely justly. If you, Joe Biden, and your party is going to say that fentanyl and these hardcore drugs being brought in through the Mexican border are bad, and I think most of us would agree that fentanyl is bad, uh, it is your job, it is one of the few things that you're supposed to do as president of the United States. You wanna do through the pen, through executive orders, you wanna do a whole bunch of stuff that you're not supposed to do, right? It's not really the way we're supposed to be governed. Congress is supposed to write laws, you're just supposed to sign them. You're not supposed to be legislating through executive action. You do all sorts of that. And by the way, they all do it. Trump did it, Obama did it, Clinton did it, did it, did it, did it George W. Bush, everybody, okay, fine. But 
if you are upset about fentanyl, if you are upset about how drugs are ravaging our big cities, if you are upset about what I saw two weeks ago in San Francisco, which was beyond, we showed you plenty of the videos, beyond human imagination, what has happened to that city and the thousands of zombie-like people wandering all over that city and the, the gross destruction of that city and Portland and Seattle and LA, et cetera, uh, you might wanna protect the border. So don't pretend you care about the 70,000 Americans who have died of this and the plenty of others, the probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions who are hooked on fentanyl or will be soon enough, when it is one of your very specific few duties to protect that border and you're not doing it. So that's how all the stuff gets here. Now, what was interesting next is that it wasn't only the Republicans booing Biden. Here he is actually saying something true. It's very bizarre, but I like to give credit where credit is due. Here he says something true that we still do need oil and gas, but that is not what the radicals, what the crazy progressives in his own party want him to admit. And uh, they were not thrilled that he said it. We're still gonna need oil and gas for a while, but guess what? No, we do. But there's so much more to do. We gotta finish the job. It's funny because it's not that he's giving so much to the oil and gas people. You know, it's like, we just still need it for a little while. I personally think we're gonna need it for a lot more than a little while. And I don't think you morons are able to get us onto truly green energy that isn't gonna cause more poverty and a whole bunch of other stuff. But okay, let's put that aside. The Republicans, when they hear that, they hear something saying, oh, we're gonna kind of need oil and gas for a while. And then they're like, okay, something sane. That was nice to hear something roughly sane. But then the progressives, when they hear something sane, they have to start yelling. So this is gonna be the tension that he is gonna have to live in. But now I wanna talk about sort of the media reaction to some of this stuff. Uh, because we could play through all the clips and I have a feeling if you're watching the show, you probably you know roughly agree with me on, on the general take of the evening and, and the nonsense and the sort of avoidance of anything related to COVID that really had any meat to it or any of that kind of stuff. So what I wanna talk about is this, this two different world idea, uh, how the media sees things and sees it in a complete opposite way than what I would call is the about fairly obvious truth. So here is from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, racist, crazy person, Joy Reid, uh, giving her analysis of Biden's speech. There's a lot of um, anxiety in the Democratic uh, sort of polit political world about Biden's age. Mm -hmm. mm. He shattered that tonight. He's obviously his experience. It's similar to what Nancy Pelosi is able to do. There's certain things that an experienced politician can do, to your point, Lawrence, that an inexperienced politician, even a Kevin McCarthy who's been around a long time, but is obviously not as ready for prime time as Joe Biden. So I think a better use of my time today would be to debunk the media nonsense rather than just debunking the Biden stuff. I think you guys get that. But that Joy Reid watched that and suddenly felt, oh, his age is no longer an issue and he just crushed it. I mean, all he did was read. That's all you have to do is read. He did slur a bunch of stuff and, and got confused once or twice. But relative to what we have come to expect from Joe Biden, in terms of standing there and not falling off the stage, it was pretty good. And by the way, that is one of the great advantages that Joe Biden has right now. The bar is so low, even for the people who like him. So if you're married to or live with someone 
or have a friend who is a big Joe Biden supporter, and there really are no big Joe Biden supporters. They're just a bunch of people that kind of go along with the Borg. There's no like, I think Joe Biden has a great vision for America. Joe's our guy. Um, those people do not exist. I'm pretty sure Jill, Jill Biden is even one of those people. Um, but for anyone that is sort of roughly a Democrat, something like that, it's like the bar with this guy is so low. All they need from him to view it as a success, which is kind of what Joy Reid is saying there, is just don't have your eye explode. Don't fall off the stage. Don't be unable to read and walk off the wrong way and shake hands with an imaginary person and completely make up a story. And if you can do all that, it will be irrelevant whether anything that you said there was true or not. The, for Joy Reid to have the takeaway that this was proof that the age isn't an issue, he should run again, all of that stuff, it's like, well, if you were impartial, and I don't, does she consider herself impartial? It's MSNBC, I don't know that she can, I don't know, I guess she does, because I think if you asked Joy Reid, she would say she's a journalist. I'm not a journalist, and I don't pretend to be a journalist. I think I'm doing probably something closer to journalism than she is, but that's a separate issue. Uh, that she would watch that and think, okay, this guy is good to go. But it's like, all right, lady, you watched a couple of years of Trump doing it. Now you may disagree with Trump, but did each time you be like, okay, well, Trump should run again because obviously he's mentally fit to do it when he clearly was, was far more mentally fit. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So let's continue with the media analysis of all of this. Uh, one of the things that Biden repeatedly said and has been sort of going through the messaging, the, the lie laundering thing that the system does, is that gas prices are going down. So Corinne Jean-Pierre was cleaning up a little bit after uh, talking about that. And we've seen gas prices go down again because of the, the war. Okay, so she says gas prices go down. We could have played you a longer clip, obviously. Now, we, this is what they do. This is a perfect example of how they lie right in front of your eyes. Gas prices went down, so RNC research uh, tweeted this out. The day that Joe Biden took office, gas nationally, so this is a national average, was $2.39. As you remember, a couple months ago, when we were really at the height of all of this craziness, it peaked at about $5 a gallon. Now it's at, what is that roughly? That's about three thirty or so, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I can't quite see from where I'm looking right now. Uh, but the point is, it is still above. Look at the chart. Look at the chart. It is still above where it started when he took office. So the idea that he's brought gas down is absolutely a lie. It is above when he came in. By the way, I don't think that everything related to prices of everything are completely the fault of the president, right? Or they certainly shouldn't be in a sane world because he wouldn't have enough power related to everything so that if he made a decision, gas stations all over the country would have to do all sorts of different things. That being said, uh, in at the height of this issue, when gas was $5 a gallon, it was basically last summer, uh, it was significantly cheaper here and, and significantly more expensive in California because of extra taxes and regulations and a whole bunch more. Anyway, that's just like a very clear example. If you're in a conversation today and someone brings up to you, uh, well, did you watch the State of the Union last night? Wasn't it great? Because gas prices are going down. And you can say to them, look, I, I know you're, you're uh, sensitive. Uh, 
you're, you're a leftist, uh, facts are hard to get through to you. Uh, if you put your hands up like this a lot, they, they generally will not immediately maul you. And if, and, but uh, I just want you to know that gas was actually 239 uh, when Biden came in office. It's about a dollar more than that now, and it had peaked at sort of double that. So would you say that that's really bringing gas down if it's more than when he came in office? And then you'd have to watch their heads explode and then, then they call you a racist and walk away. But you could try is what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, here's more from Corinne Jean-Pierre talking about wages and inflation. Look, when you think about the economy, what the president has done is transform the way we think about it, right? We used to talk about trickle-down economy. He doesn't say that. He doesn't believe in that. He believes in building an economy from the bottom up, middle out. And that's what you've seen. And I've talked a little bit about the data, the data points, which is uh, wages are up. It's just words. It's just words. None of it means anything. You know my feelings on this. They don't believe in a bottom-up economy. A bottom-up economy would be getting out of your way, lowering taxes, getting rid of regulation. If that's what you mean, that's what bottom up, that's what most sane people would think is a bottom up economy, meaning we the citizens first, and then there are layers all the way up to the government, okay? Government should not really be above you, but this is the way that they view all of this stuff, right? Um, bottom up economy would be you work, you keep your money, you put that money into the community, into your family, buy a house, buy a car, do what you wanna do. That thing we used to call the American dream. They do the reverse of that thing. They want the top down economy. We're gonna tax the flying F out of you. And then occasionally, every now and again, when you start choking, when you really are hurting, we'll give you a little tax break, even though it was your money in the first place. So it's just a lie. They just say these things over and over. And on this idea of trickle down economics, as a general rule, if you cut taxes for everyone, I would be for cutting taxes for everyone. If you wanna know more about my specific theories on taxes, there's a couple pages on it and don't burn this book. Uh, but the basic idea is you could cut taxes on absolutely everybody, including rich people, because when you cut taxes on them, everyone starts spending more money. People don't just sit on the money. You can, but most people don't. You know that if you get your paycheck, you person watching this right now, if you looked at your paycheck next week and your paycheck had, I don't know, say 15, 20% more, now you might say, I'm gonna save up for that car. I'm gonna save up for that TV, whatever it is. But eventually you're gonna buy something with it. You're gonna do something with it. You might immediately go out and buy your friend's dinner and tip really well or a litany of other things. So bottom up would be giving you the power. So these people are just completely reverse. Fox News uh, had an interesting piece yesterday on what's going on here in terms of people living paycheck to paycheck. And it was actually quite shocking because uh, apparently it's a whole bunch of people who are even making over a hundred grand a year. 166 million Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. The majority of people who are making more than $100,000 a year say that includes them living paycheck to paycheck. Retail spending's been down in several recent months and inventory's up. Inflation has outpaced wage growth for 21 months and gas prices are up again the last five weeks in a row. Okay, so the, the inflation wage growth thing is the most important thing. Inflation starts rising. That means your money's worth less. And now if you're not making as much money, that disparity keeps continuing, right? You're not making as much and the stuff is costing more. Your dollar goes less far. And that is the disparity we have right now. This concept of 51% of, of people making over a hundred grand are going paycheck to paycheck is super interesting. Now, 
I don't know that you can blame that all on the, the bad economic state that the country seems to be in. I actually think you can blame a lot of that probably on education over the last 20 years. People don't know how to save. People don't know how to, oh, I have a credit card. It has a $7,000 limit. I only have 50 bucks in my bank. I guess I could still spend $7,000. I don't think there's basic financial literacy in this country. Ironically, or I guess not ironically, this is completely the reverse of ironic. We're teaching financial literacy here in Florida because we are the state of competency, not the state of confounded idiocy, which is pretty much uh, what's happening from the national government. Uh, and if you want a little more on the fundamental difference between red and blue states, we can talk all day long about the crime rates in the blue cities. You guys know about that. We could talk all day long about the COVID lockdowns in the blue states. You know all about that. But I thought this one was interesting. This is from RNC Research. 13 of the top 15 states with the lowest unemployment rates are led by Republican governors. Uh, let's just give shout out to the, to the top five. Four of them are Republican states. That's Utah, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, South Dakota, uh, here in Florida, of course. And then the fifth one, Minnesota. So Minnesota is a Democrat-run state. Got to give it to them. Uh, and Phoenix made an interesting point to me as we were going through this this morning. Number 12 there, Kansas has a Democrat governor, but has two Republican senators, right? So that's interesting. So Kansas is just sort of an interesting mix in this. I don't know enough about Kansas specifically uh, related to the economic policies to really comment on that. But the general point here, uh, you guys get, when Republicans come in, and again, they're not that great and they'll often fail you. But when they come in, you suddenly have a little more law and order, a little less homelessness, a little less problem with drugs, uh, a little more economic activity, and that is generally good. One more of Corinne Jean-Pierre, I'm just bludgeoning these people today, uh, her response on why Americans are not happy with the Biden economy, despite the fact she keeps telling everyone it's bottom up and middle out and a whole bunch of other meaningless dribble. The president is claiming the state of our economy is strong, but 41% of Americans think they are worse off financially than they were when President Biden took office. The most negative response to that question in the history of ABC polling. Now, if the economy is strong, why don't more Americans feel that way? Because it's been a very hard couple of years. Uh, it's been a hard couple of years. Was there something that happened involving the government that might have made this difficult on people, like a thing that the government chose to do that maybe like locked people in their house and forced people to inject themselves with weird stuff and not let kids go to school and basically broke the brains of like 350 million. Was this, I'm gonna have to, we'll Google that, lost my pen. We'll Google that. Uh, what she doesn't want you to know, of course, is that the inflation under this administration has gone Bananas. These are stats. Note what they give you. They give you platitudes. I'm going to give you stats. Here is uh, the inflation. We're going to break it down over the series of a couple months. January of 20, it was at 2.5%. January 21, 1.5%. July of 21, here's where it started to move, 5.4%. January of 22, so that's a year ago now, it jumped to 7.5%. This past summer, July of 22, 9.1%. Uh, and November, 6.5%. So yes, it has ticked down slightly as you're looking there, but much like that uh, information we showed you, the graph we showed you about gas prices, it is significantly higher than when Joe Biden came into office. This is why I show you things with numbers and charts, something that is completely the reverse of what these clowns 
on MSNBC do when they do their lie laundering. They bring on administration people to just say nonsensical things and then they just repeat them on MSNBC. And speaking of MSNBC, here's Andrea Mitchell, who was once a decent journalist at NBC News. Now she's mostly on MSNBC. That's where they put the amateur hour people. Uh, and here she's talking about Biden and China. And uh, there's something interesting happening here, the way they're gonna start framing things around China. And I think she might've shown us a little bit too much behind the curtain here. Take a look. Even these House Republicans will not separate themselves from Ukraine, but on China, what Joe Biden did tonight by not taking on China more aggressively was politically, politically courageous, if you will, in terms of the domestic support. Because mm -hmm. as you know very well, the polling is that, you know, 75 percent of Americans. There's no downside getting tough on China. Yeah, right. there's no they want downside a tougher line and yeah. the Republicans are in line with that, and a lot of Democrats are, and there's gonna be a resolution next week and it's gonna pass with Democratic support. Well, okay, so this is super interesting. First, Chuck Todd, there's no downside uh, getting tough on China. And what she's saying is that her own party and, and Joe Biden's own constituents want, constituents want him to be tougher on China. He did not do that, so he's given, uh, she's given Joe a lot of credit on that. Now we can go back and forth all day long and I promise you I'm gonna do a whole bunch more shows on uh, China experts, uh, with China experts, because I think this is really important and this might be the new sort of Cold War situation that we're potentially uh, entering and we know that so much, to link it to something earlier, so much of the fentanyl that's coming through our border is starting in China. We know that millions of young people have TikTok on their phone and it is a Chinese spy and we know it and we allow it. So we got a huge problem with China on top of the fact that, you know, we're relying on China for so much of our drugs and so much of our infrastructure and technology and, and they steal technology and patents and a whole bunch more. But it's interesting the way she's framing this thing because on one hand, she's saying we do have a China problem. Everyone's sort of acknowledging there is a China problem. They've kept us, they've kept our eye off the ball because we focus so much on Ukraine, right? We have a far bigger problem with China in terms of actually what is important and relevant to Americans because China is involved in our infrastructure, China is involved in our supply chain, all of those things, Ukraine is not. Now, Ukraine might loom large because they're gonna probably start World War III over it, but that's sort of a separate thing in a way than the immediacy of China. Really, we, we owe China a ton of money. China could start turning those screws on us. We want the cash, guys, we want the cash. And then what are we gonna do? Well, it's a good thing we have bombs, right? It's, it's the mafia move I'm always talking about. Um, but it's interesting because she's, she's saying he deserves a lot of credit for not going harder on China. And it's like, you might be right there. Maybe there's a tactical play there, but China did just have a balloon. Did you guys hear about the balloon? You heard about this balloon? There was a balloon floating over America, a Chinese spy balloon, and it was floating for days. Uh, Biden wanted apparently to take it down. The, some of the military people let it go for a little while longer. We don't know. It was going over sensitive military sites. We don't know what it took pictures of, video of. We don't know what kind of surveillance it did. We, we eventually blew it up, but why didn't the United States, uh, maybe we should have, they love the UN. These people love the UN. They love these globalist organizations. Why didn't we have an emergency meeting? Hey, China, you're not allowed to float balloons over our country. Uh, so it is very unclear what our China policy is. My personal belief as I don't wanna go to war with China, although didn't Joe Biden once say that uh, if China moves on Taiwan that uh, he would send troops or something? I mean, it's, it's sort of all over the place. Um, but okay, he, he backed off China a little bit and she's trying to frame that as something positive. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. 
I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Joe Biden has been ballooning. He's been blowing hot up. He's been blowing hot air up China's butt for a long time. Videotape. China is not our enemy. I believe then, and I'm even more convinced now, that a rising China is an incredibly positive development for not only China, but the United States and the rest of the world. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. China is a great nation, and we should hope for the continued expansion. We want to see China rise. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. China is going to eat our lunch Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not they're competition for us. China's not our problem. We can help them with some of their problems. China's not a problem. The idea that China is going to eat our lunch is bizarre. And so, what are we what are we worried about? We talk about China as our competitor. We should be helping. Do you think, in retrospect, that you were naive about China? No. Yes. You were or you were just blatantly negligent. China is the number one geopolitical foe. It is, it is their sphere of influence that is spreading throughout the world. It is the ideas of the Communist Party of China. On top of the fact that it is very likely that COVID itself emanated from Wuhan, China. That does not make you racist to say. Did Fauci fund it too over there? Yeah, okay, fine. So we're maybe in on it together. But why for years and years and years has Joe Biden been kind of going out of his way to make it seem like China is not a problem, is not a threat, we would just like a stronger China, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and now we know, and Joe, even freaking Andrea Mitchell is admitting it, and Chuck Todd, that both parties are kind of even in agreement that China is bad news now. There's something going on there. I haven't formulated the whole thing on this one. Uh, but as I said, we'll get some China experts on and we'll continue to talk about this. Uh, I'm sorry to say I'm gonna about to show you a video of Ilhan Omar. So if this is your time to go to the bathroom, you probably should. Here we go. So, you know, the president has always been understood as someone who can unite a, a divided country. Uh, that's one of the reasons people voted for him. Um, uh, you know, instead of voting for Trump, I think it's really important for there to be few people that we identify that we can work with uh, in a bipartisan matter. Isn't this interesting? Um, uh, we'll get to the divided country part. If Joe Biden can fix that, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, she talks about how she wants to work in a bipartisan manner with people. She's a Democrat, but she's, because this woman is evil, she's actually saying something very profound there. She knows she's not really in the same party as Joe Biden. She is a whacked out socialist, communist, progressive, racist, blah, blah, blah. But in her mind, by working with Joe Biden, she's doing something that is bipartisan, right? And she's playing along for now, right? When, and trust me, when they, when they come to fully hollow out the Democrat party, she will be one of the front, front leaders on that thing. That's why there are no moderates left in the Democrat party. People like her basically have taken over. Biden is kind of hanging on by a thread to, to keep a little of that like true abject insanity out of the party, but that's kind of where we're at. But she wants to work with bipartisan people. That's why she likes Joe Biden, except she's, that's not bipartisanship. Bipartisanship would be working with the Republicans. That would be working with the other people, not the people in your party that you're just more radical than. Okay, fine. But she thinks that Joe Biden is a uniter. And I was like, well, wait a minute. We must, if Ilhan Omar said it, for God's sakes, it must be true. Find me a video of the man being a uniter because he's a uniter, uniter, unite. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. 
Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. He'll unite all of you people to freaking take out those deranged MAGA Republicans, those 75 million people who just voted a different way. Yeah, that's the uniter, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, who is no longer uh, in charge on the congressional side, she's no longer doing the, sitting back there chewing on her dentures during these speeches, uh, she went on, uh, is this from MSNBC, I think too? This, oh, this is CNN, she went on CNN uh, and praised Biden for talking about fentanyl, a word that she struggled with. He talked about the um, uh, issues that relate to fen fen fentanyl, yeah. fentanyl, but also mental health issues that sort of relate to that. Everyone screws up words. I screw up words sometimes, fine. There's something about her hands. Can we just, can we, we can't put that in the corner here, can we? Can't do that right now. Something about the way, oh, we're gonna show another one of her in a second. Like when she's talking about mental health, people that talk to you and they're kind of like, what, what's going on here, lady? Are you just cracked out of your mind? Like what, what's happening here? Uh, but if she is upset about fentanyl, which again, Joe Biden talked about fentanyl earlier and they booed him for, what she should really care about is the border. If you really care about fentanyl, you should really care about where it's coming from. And all you'd have to do is choke it off and then eventually there would be no people on fentanyl. Really, it's basically as simple as that. Uh, here's some border crossing data uh, since uh, Joe Biden has taken over. And here's what's going on here. January of 20, we had 36,000 illegals cross. January of 21, 78,000. January of 22, 154,000. And December of 22, because I don't think we have the January numbers full yet, 251,000 people. We have no idea where these people are. We send them all across the country. Uh, they could be bringing in fentanyl. They could be bringing in more dangerous drugs than that because there's always a more dangerous drug out there. They could be spiking other drugs. They could be committing all sorts of crimes. But she pretends she cares about and she doesn't want to do jack shit actually about it. But here she is. I'm pretty sure she smoked a little. Do you smoke fentanyl or you, or you, why do I always look at you when these things happen? For some reason, I don't know why that is my default position. Does anyone know, do you smoke fentanyl or Daphne, do you smoke fentanyl or snort it? All right. The point is, I'm pretty sure Nancy Pelosi's on fentanyl because listen to this. Joe Biden is a, a person of vision, knowledge, judgment strategic thinking to get the job done. He was a remarkable two years, a remarkable two years, and again, connects very empathetically with the American people. So I, I hope he runs, I'm for him if he runs, and I know that the Democrats will fully embrace him. If he runs, it's over. You remember that scene in When Harry Met Sally, when, uh, what's her name, Meg Griffin, Meg Griffin? Is that the girl when Harry met Sally? It was Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, they're sitting at, uh, I think it's Cantor's Deli in New York City, and uh, she fakes the orgasm, and she's faking the orgasm. Everyone's looking at her, and then the old lady looks at her. This is a very famous line, like back in like 88, 89, something like that. I'll have what she's having. I kind of want whatever Nancy Pelosi's on to see the world in such a bang up opposite way all the time and get out there and sell that vision, you gotta kind of admire it. And this thing, like he's, he's a man of vision and he can see things and he's great. He's, uh, ha, ooh, ha. Oh, God. Just, just give me enough strength, people, to keep going. Um, he's a man of vision, though. That was the point. He's a man of vision. 
He's a man who knows what he's saying. He's a man who's doing the right thing. He's a man who cares. He doesn't want to scare people. He's a uniter. And uh, to prove that, we found this video. And that's happening in Europe. But it's here now, and it's spreading, and it's going to increase. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospital, they'll soon overwhelm. But there's good news. If you're vaccinated, you have your booster shot, you're protected from severe illness and death. Literally not a word that that masked moron said was true, but he's a man of good judgment. He's a man of great vision. He's the greatest man who's ever lived. He just can't seem to get anything right. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. The vaccine requirements in my plan will affect about 100 million Americans. Just remember, he tried to scare the hell out of everybody by forcing people and coercing people, right? Because that was the whole idea. If we, if we can push these mandates on companies with over 100 people, then they're gonna all do it. So he pushed people into taking what Dr. Robert Malone, who I have on the show this week, part one is up already, uh, who owns more patents on mRNA technology than anyone. Uh, what he has described as, I, I wanna get the quote basically roughly right. He says that the vaccine injuries are going to be far worse than what we know right now. Uh, you can see that video, the full thing's up on Locals and, and clip two will be up uh, later today on Rumble and YouTube. Um, so he did that. He tried to scare the hell out of you about the hospitals that you'll overwhelm. There was no apology. Imagine, see, there, there are ways for even people that I disagree with politically. So let's say I disagree with virtually everything that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth at this point, And I do, pretty much. I, it would be almost impossible for Joe Biden to say something that I would think was sensible and honest and anything else. But there are ways that he could actually bridge the divide a little bit. Imagine if he would have started that speech last night as this great thinker and uniter and wonderful man that Nancy Pelosi says he is. Imagine if he would have started that speech last night and said, hey guys, I gotta have a bit of a mea culpa here. Uh, you know, we're sort of three years off this COVID thing and uh, we all made mistakes. Everybody made mistakes. Uh, some of my mistakes included repeating things like if you get vaccinated, you will not get nor transmit COVID. Some of my mistakes included using the power of the federal government to force people to do medical procedures that they did not want done. And we forced too many people out of jobs. And now we're seeing some of the repercussions of that. Imagine if he had just opened with that. We could have actually had some level of a healing moment, right? It is not impossible, but it is impossible for these people because the media just keeps laundering the lies and makes you forget everything that they've done. So then he lies about all of this stuff. He creates all of this chaos related to COVID and vaccines and lockdowns and destroys the economy. And they lie about gas prices when he got in and where they are now or inflation when he got in and where it is now. And then the media just moves on. And then people literally, and again, I think they are, they are not well in the head. Someone like Joy Reid, she then watches that speech and says that guy should run again. He is drugged. Do you guys not realize that? They are drugging and dripping him with something. It's going to come out at some point. You would not want that man babysitting your grandchildren.
not just because of the sniffing hair. He's going to leave the stove. Well, the stove, I guess he's going to shut down the stove. The electric stove can stay on. It's not, that's not going to do anything. Anyway, how about a little sanity now for a moment? So the Republican response was done by new uh, Arkansas governor, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I thought it was quite good. Now, again, I, I, I happen to agree with her on a lot of the issues, but I thought the calmness and clarity that she spoke with really, really was excellent. And it's a damn shame, you know, in the old days, in the old days, kids, uh, they used to give you the Republican or Democrat response virtually right after the thing. So the president would speak, he would pretty much walk through, you know, shake some hands, smile, five minutes later, the response. For some reason last night, the response was delayed a, a bit longer, so most people tune out. Uh, but here is Sarah Huckabee Sanders giving the Republican response, and I think, I think this line in particular, uh, this portion of it, she really kind of nailed what's going on here. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Yeah, that pretty much is it. It's not right or left in a traditional way. It's not Democrat or Republican in a traditional way. It's do you see reality or not? And a certain amount of people do not see reality and they are pushing that, that distorted worldview on everyone else. Here's Joe Biden last night, completely dysregulated when it comes to something that I think we all know is biologically true. Taken away in Roe v. Wade and protect Roe v. Wade. Give every woman a constant right. The vice president and I are doing everything to protect access to reproductive health care and safeguard patient safety. Well, already more than a dozen states are enforcing extreme abortion bans. Make no mistake about it. If Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it. But let's also pass. Let's also pass the Bipartisan Equality Act to ensure LGBTQ Americans, especially transgender young people, can live with safety and dignity. Our strength. It's such pandering nonsense. Let's just put the abortion thing aside for a moment, except for one comment, which I want to make, which is that the, the way they use language, that abortion is somehow reproductive health care. If you are having an abortion, you're not reproducing and it ain't the health care of the baby. Fairly certain on that. I just want, this doesn't matter whether you're pro-abortion or against abortion. Let's just be clear and honest with the language, but they're really, really good at this. And that's why they get so many non-thinking people to go along with them. Are you for reproductive health care? Well, I like reproduction and I like health care. I must be for reproductive health care. You know that involves killing a baby? What are you, a racist? You guys get it. What's the other one they always do? When you chop off a child's genitals, what do they call it? Gender affirming. It is not affirming if you cut off a girl's boobs, nor a boy's penis. Okay, I wanna be fair to everybody here. That's not affirming. That would be very unaffirming, but they're very, very good on that sort of thing. And then this idiotic thing, the Equality Act or whatever, it's like, there are no laws stopping gay people from doing anything in America. Gay people, you can't get on boats or whatever. Lesbians, you're not allowed to cut down trees. I always, lesbians, I always put them in a forest, you know, there. Um, it's all silly nonsense, but it becomes dangerous when it is that they want to put laws in place that are literally going to mutilate children.
right? That's what they're gonna do. So I thought we could end the show today by showing you some normalcy. What would be uh, normal and as Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, right? It's like sort of crazy versus normal. What would, be, what would a speech by a president that was proud of America, that was instituting policies that made sense, that was helping the economic engine go, that was talking about the border honestly, that wanted to make sure if you commit a crime, you would be punished for it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we don't have to go back that far to find one. How about about three years ago? Here's a guy named Donald Trump giving his State of the Union address in 2020. And just tell me if you think the tone of this thing and the content is a bit different. And my fellow citizens, three years ago, we launched the great American comeback. Tonight, I stand before you to share the incredible results. Jobs are booming, incomes are soaring, poverty is plummeting, crime is falling, confidence is surging, and our country is thriving and highly respected again. Obviously didn't applaud on that. That's also the speech, you may remember Pelosi at the end, right? Because they, they really respect things. So I saw all these, uh, you know, MSNBC, all, all those people were screaming yesterday, oh, it's so rude that they called Joe Biden a liar. And it's like, do you remember Pelosi? Do you remember that Pelosi as she was trying to make sure her dentures didn't fall out of her mouth? But the other part of that uh, is that what Donald Trump said was true. There was a newfound respect, not a newfound, there was a resurgent respect for America that was happening during those four years. There was peace in the Middle East more peace deals signed in the Middle East, right? There were good things happening economically and even culturally and low black unemployment and all of those things. But that's not what the business of what these people are into, right? They're just not into that. Uh, here's a little bit more uh, from Donald Trump, that same speech. This is the place where the pilgrims landed at Plymouth and where Texas patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The beautiful, beautiful Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest, strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers, and ladies and gentlemen, our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history, and we are making it greater than ever before. that wild looking back on that like he's telling you all these great things not about what's happening just happening in america today but going back to the history acknowledging the people that lived before us that built this absolutely freaking remarkable republic that has freed people the world over and when he says it we're not into that 
we're not into that because you're orange and your hair is weird, man. And we're not into that. Things were a lot better then. Things were a lot better. So how do we wrap this show up properly? Because uh, to show you that Trump was doing it right and we all know it, and to show you that Biden's doing it wrong and we all know it, that's not quite right. And then I, was, I mentioned at the top of the show, I, I've got my, uh, my buddy here from out of town with his, uh, his girlfriend. We've been friends for 40, we met literally the first day of kindergarten. So we've been friends now for about 41 years. I think we were five years old, first day of kindergarten, maybe four and a half, whatever it is then. We've been doing this for a long time. And we watched that thing last night and we had a little tequila. We're sitting in the hot tub. We're talking about politics, talking about everything. He actually evolved on a lot of this stuff before me. He's one of the people that actually helped me wake up to some of this stuff. He was a Trump supporter before I was. Okay, fine. Uh, but what we were talking about was this, this thing that I'm always focusing on. This We're all watching the same thing and we're seeing two different movies. And what do we do about that? And what we both sort of agreed on at the end is that it may be possible. Uh, this is somewhat black-pilled depressing. It may be possible that at the federal government level, this thing cannot be fixed. That the swamp is so swampy, that the machinery of DC is so corroded and corrupted that it cannot be fixed. But it still can be fixed at the state level. It still can be fixed at the local level. And I do think if you do enough of that, that then we could then export that to even fix the federal level. That's the white pill version of it, right? Uh, and how do you do that? Well, you just have to look. I happen to live in the place that you have to look at. Yeah, that Florida place. I think I only said Florida once during this show. Uh, here is Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, underscoring that Florida blueprint that I think can fix this thing. I think what the election results in Florida show is, you know, Florida really has a blueprint for success. And I think some of the things that we do that work are, uh, we're all about exercising leadership in delivering results for the people that we represent. I did not take any polls when I became governor all the way through this entire term. The job of a leader is not to stick your finger in the wind and try to contort yourself to wherever uh, public opinion may be trending on one given moment. No, the job of a leader is to set out a vision, uh, to execute that vision, uh, to show people that it's the right vision and to deliver concrete results. And when you do that, uh, the people respond. And boy, on November 8th, did they ever respond in the state of Florida. And that's it, guys. That's it. You get a leader who leads, who's proud of the country. So look, I know there's a little tension right now between the Trump camp and the DeSantis camp. DeSantis, again, has not announced that he is running for president. I do not know if he is running for president. Trump's been kind of going at him on Truth Social. Uh, and, and if DeSantis gets involved, obviously it's going to get somewhat bloody and the media will freaking love it. And, and I really do believe this. The media actually will be pro-Trump in that fight because they think DeSantis is the real threat, which in my opinion, he actually is because of the, the machinery that he has built and the success he has built in Florida. Uh, but all of that being said, I just showed you two pretty freaking spectacular Trump videos too, right? So he did a great job too. There is messaging and policy here that does make sense that can get us in a better position than we are in right now. And that reminds me of this picture. You may remember this. This is right after Hurricane Ian when Biden came down to South Florida. Uh, subsequently, Biden and FEMA cut their aid to Florida. But there was Ron DeSantis standing right in front of the president of the United States official seal. And yeah, the, the future could be bright. I think, I think it can be bright. I think it will be bright. 
but we got some work to do and ultimately it's on us. And that's the beauty of this republic that we live in, but it's only a republic as long as we can keep it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a post-game show coming up in just mere moments at rubenreport.locals.com. As I mentioned, part one of my interview with Dr. Robert Malone is up right now. The full thing is up ad-free over at Locals. We're gonna cold close you with Joe Biden in case we didn't hit you over the head with enough Joe Biden, and I will be back momentarily. I spend more time working on these cars than with my own family. I spend my days digging holes, cutting grass, and sweating. This is job number two today. So my customers aren't the only ones drinking coffee. I'm breaking my back out here for one reason. I want to pay off some other guy's debt. Biden's plan to pay other people's college loans using my tax dollars is a great idea. Biden's right. You should take my tax dollars to pay off your debts. My family will figure out how to get by with less. What's most important is we spare college graduates from any extra stress. Want to be a struggling artist? College is on me. My kids don't need fancy things like school supplies or new shoes. I work for you, theater major. This shift is for you, business major. Go buy yourself that new car. Enjoy your free ride. College is on me. Tell Congress, stop Biden's bailout for rich kids. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.